Amen. Thank you, Brother Jeff. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we have been brought to your presence today. We prayed at the beginning of our service that we would experience you and know you're here. And we thank you for answering that prayer. We sense we are in your presence. And now, Father, as we turn our attention and our hearts and our affections towards your word, I pray. I pray, Lord, I do nothing to distract from where we've been brought so far. Lord, move this preacher out of the way. Lord, fill me up with you, that I'd be your vessel this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. They come in all shapes and sizes. Some are polished. Some are worn around your neck. Some get tattoos of it. We hang them in our houses. We hang them in our churches. We build pulpits to look like them. But friends, somewhere along the way, I'm afraid. I'm afraid we grow numb to the importance of the cross. You see, the cross that we're going to examine over the next several weeks is a cross that is not beautiful per se. It was designed for one thing. It was designed for execution. It was designed to punish. It was designed to kill. It was designed to deter. That's the cross we're going to examine over the next few weeks. And my prayer is, as we see crosses that are beautiful, as we see crosses that are polished, as we see crosses on people's arms, as we see crosses hung around people's necks, may it become more than just a popular symbol. May it truly draw us, draw us to a place where the ground is even for every person. May it draw us to a place that reminds us of the magnitude of the love of our Heavenly Father for each and every person that has ever walked the face of this earth and that will ever walk the face of this earth. Max Lucado in his book, No Wonder They Call Him Savior, said the cross, it rests on the timeline of history like a compelling diamond. Its tragedy summons all sufferers. Its absurdity attracts all cynics. Its hope lures all searchers. History has idolized it and despised it, gold-plated it and burned it, worn and trashed it. History has done everything but ignore it. That's the one option that the cross does not offer. No one can ignore it. You can't ignore a piece of lumber that suspends the greatest claim in history. Its bottom line is sobering. If the account is true, it's history's hinge, period. If not, it's history's hoax. That's why the cross is what matters. If you got your copy of God's Word today, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is truly the, the springboard for our messages leading into Easter. 
The series called Cross Examination, we'll, we will finalize it on Good Friday right here at 7 o'clock. Go ahead and make plans Good Friday evening to be here as we'll partake of the Lord's Supper, as we will draw our hearts and our affections to the price that was paid for us. And that Good Friday we will look at the cross being personal from the perspective of Simon of Cyrene. And then Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about the empty cross. Ooh, it's so, I want to preach that message right now. It's so good. Not because of my words, but because of the truth that comes with it. You see, on Easter, we don't celebrate a cross that has somebody on it. We celebrate an empty cross and an empty tomb. That's why we celebrate. So join me over the next few weeks as we look to the cross. You see, the cross beheld what was called Roman crucifixion. It was a cruel punishment. Nailed to a wooden cross by wrists and feet, it was an excruciating, slow, and very public way to die. The victim's groaning became a morning's entertainment for onlookers. Seeing the horrors of the crucifixion was an effective deterrent for wrongdoers. For Jesus, this heinous death was undeserved. As he gave his life, he looked beyond it to God's bigger story of salvation that was being played out through the life, through his life and death. Friends, today as we take this look at the cross, I want us to know that there's a lot of churches that don't preach on the cross anymore. We've made it out to be this cute symbol. But I'm here to tell you today, without the cross, we have no resurrection. Without the cross, we have no salvation. And let's not, let's not make it less than what it is. It is brutal. Our Savior died a brutal death. We will look deeper into this over the coming weeks, but I want us to understand this morning that through the blood of the cross that was shed on this cross, that's where our forgiveness comes from. And as many have walked away from the cross and the preaching of the cross today, I would tell you this, that we must never, ever, ever get away from the cross. Matter of fact, one professor said one time, when you preach, run to the cross as fast as you can. Friends, that's what we need to do today. We sang about it this morning. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross. Hallelujah. Yeah. That forgiveness comes from the cross. Would you stand with me this morning? We'll read a couple of verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul here to the church at Corinth. In verse 18, he says, For the word of the cross is folly. Some of your translations will say foolishness. To those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom 
of the world. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. There's a tale told of the great English actor, MacReady. An eminent preacher once said to him, to this actor, he said, I wish you would explain to me one thing. So the actor looked at him and said, well, what is it? I don't know what I can explain to a preacher. The preacher looked at him and said, what is the reason for the difference between you and me? You are appearing before crowds night after night with fiction. And the crowds come wherever you go. And I am preaching the essentials and the unchangeable truth, and I'm not getting any crowd at all. McCready, the actor, looked in the preacher's eyes, and he said, it's this. I can tell you the difference between us. I present my fiction as though it were truth. You present your truth as though it were fiction. I'm afraid today we treat the cross as it is just fiction. But can I tell you today, it's more than fiction, it's nonfiction. It is true, it is real, it is relevant. And we have got to act and live like the price that was paid on the cross really has the power to save everyone. You're following along in your notes today. Three very simple points. As we cross, as we look to the cross and examine the cross, the first thing is this the cross is passionate. The cross is passionate. We call it the Passion Week. Mel Gibson thought it was so passionate that he entitled his film The Passion of the Christ. There's nothing more passionate than someone dying for another person. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, friends, it's true passion when you understand that Jesus Christ was perfect, yet he chose to die. Can I tell you this this morning? Nobody. Absolutely nobody took his life from him. He chose that path. He chose to follow his father's will. He chose to die, yet he was perfect. He was blameless, yet he bore our blame. He took my blame. I was hesitant to write this the way I wrote it. Because I think sometimes we think, yeah, he took ours. But friends, if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to scratch out our and put my he took my blame. He was sinless, yet he bore my sin all the way to the cross. John 15 and 13 says this, Jesus said, there's greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Very simply, somebody asked, how much does Jesus really love me? And he stretched out his hands on the cross and said this much. I love you this much. You want to talk about passion. You see, we have passion about a lot of things. We have passion about sporting events. We have passion about musical artists. We have passion about work. We have passion about things. But there is no greater passion than what we see through Jesus Christ and what he was willing to go through on the cross. 
Can I remind you, he could have called thousands of angels. And just like that, he would have been taken off that cross. He would have been pulled out. Matthew chapter 26, verses 53 and 54. This is what he says. Do you not think that I can appeal to my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. How then will the scriptures be fulfilled which say it must happen this way? Interestingly enough, can I just tell you this? It wouldn't take 12 legion of angels. But he said, hey, I've got unlimited resources. All I've got to do is say, Father, I don't want to do it anymore. And he would have called down angels. But Jesus was passionate. Listen, friends, he wasn't passionate about dying. He was passionate about you and me. He was passionate for every soul that has ever walked this earth and every soul that will ever walk this earth. That's what he was passionate about. A.W. Tozer said this, The old cross slew men. The new cross entertains them. The old cross condemned, but the new cross amuses. The old cross destroyed confidence in the flesh, but the new cross encourages it. Friends, it's time we get back to the old Rugged cross. Oh, this cross is more than a symbol. It's passionate. But secondly, the cross pardons. The cross pardons. Hebrews 9 and 22 says this. The second half of that verse says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. 1 John 4 says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Big word means the payment. He loved us so much. We all have a debt in here. Every single one of us. I'm not talking about your house payment or your car payment or those credit cards. I'm talking about a debt that we can never, ever, ever, ever pay by ourselves. No matter how hard we work, no matter how many other resources we go to, we cannot pay that debt without sacrifice. You see, Jesus, through the cross, put to rest the whole sacrificial system. If not, we would still be, y'all would still bring in, be bringing lambs and things like that, and we would still be sacrificing them. Praise God, we don't have to do that. Praise God. I love to deer hunt, I love to fish, and I love to, I don't mind gutting a deer, and I don't mind cleaning fish. But man, there's a lot of that stuff that we don't even understand. It pardons us. You see, this, this is too, too smooth here, but this cross, this symbol that we look to, that we hang up, that we take lightly, it pardoned every one of us, not just part of our sin, but our whole sin. And it doesn't just say, ah, a few sins or, or the sins that aren't so bad. It says every single sin. Can I tell you, the blood that was spilled on the cross by Jesus Christ was enough to cover every sin of the world. And through that blood, and through that cross, Romans 8, 1 says we have no condemnation because we are in Christ Jesus. Hear me this morning. The cross pardons. Let's pretend for a moment. 
Blakely's at an age where she loves to pretend. She'll be in her bedroom, and she'll be talking to everybody. She'll come out and tell us exactly who was there. It's like, they're not here. Oh, yes, they were. She's talking about cheerleading. She's talking about Sydney and Emily and, and some of those girls. Yeah, I talked to them, and I told them we were going to go to the game and cheer tonight, and she loves to pretend. Right now, she's getting ready to start T-ball, and so she's got her helmet on and her cleats, and she's got her pretend coach. I'm doing what the coach tells me to. I'm doing, I'm doing it just right. So in the measure, and Jesus Christ said, by the way, if we don't come like a child, we're in trouble. So let's be like a child for just a moment, and let's pretend. What if, what if you had been convicted of a crime? What if you sat in a courtroom and the prosecutor said, we are seeking the death penalty? And you sat through the trial. And there were a lot of things you heard that you were like, mm, yeah, I'm kind of guilty of that. Yep, yep, I forgot about that. They bring witness after witness after witness, and they're stacking it all up against you. And the prosecutor presents his case. And so they put you on the stand, and they're like, all right, we're, we're going to put you on the stand, and we're going to let you testify. And you testify, and you say, but, 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 but I, 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 didn't do, I, wasn't, I didn't mean to. And the final day of the trial comes, and they send it to the jury, and the jury convicts you, and the judge decides to side with the prosecution, and he gives you the death penalty. Most of us in here have probably never been on the inside of a prison. I've had the great privilege to preach in a prison several times. And I'll be honest with you, some of the best worship services I've ever been a part of were behind prison walls. Maybe it's because they had nowhere else to go. Maybe, maybe they were just passionate and seeking for something new. So it's easy for me to think about this. So the judge says, you're condemned. You're sentenced to die. Take him away. Take her away. Put him in the cell. So they take you into that jail. They give you your new outfit, your orange jumpsuit. They slam the door behind you. And you sit there waiting because you know your day is coming. Your number's almost up. And so you're sitting there contemplating. You know that you're going to die. You know that that's all you're doing is waiting to die. And they tell you your day is coming very quickly. So the morning you have your last meal, the morning you wake up, you know it's your day to go to the execution chamber. So you had your last meal, you wake up knowing that today is the day I am going to, I'm going to die. And you know it's about time and somebody comes to your cell door, opens it up, and it's the governor. And he looks you in the eye, and he says, I know you're guilty, but today, I'm pardoning you. And not only am I going to pardon you today, 
I'm going to walk you all the way through all the gates, all the doors, all the cells. I'm going to walk you all the way to the outside, and I'm going to personally give you a new set of clothes. And I'm going to personally give you a, a, a new pair of shoes. And I'm going to personally tell you, I've got a job for you. And he does that. He walks you all the way out. And you're free. You're no longer bound. You're no longer going to die. Can I tell you today, that's what Jesus Christ did for us. <laughs> he doesn't give us a new pair of tennis shoes. He doesn't give us new clothes. He gives us a new life. He gives us a new life. Listen, my friends. First John chapter 2, he says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Friends, if you are sitting in here today and you've never accepted the stamp of paid in full on your sins for your eternity, can I tell you today, it wasn't just for my sins. He didn't just pay for mine. He paid for yours too. And he's waiting for you to say, I need you to pay for my debt. And then whenever he pays for your debt, he said, don't keep that silent. It's okay to go say, Jesus paid my debt. He paid a debt he did not owe. And I owe a debt I could not pay. Oh, you see, the cross is more than something we wear around our necks. It pardons us for eternity. And friends, let me just go ahead and tell you. Once you accept that payment, it's signed, sealed, and delivered. Never to be taken back again. Thirdly, the cross. Oh, the cross is passionate. The cross pardons, but thirdly, the cross is powerful. There's a story about a little girl who proudly wore a shiny cross on a chain around her neck. One day she was approached by a man who said to her, Little girl, don't you know that that cross that Jesus died on wasn't beautiful like the one you're wearing? It was ugly. And it was wooden. The little girl looked up at that man and she said, Yeah, I know. But they told me in Sunday school that whatever Jesus touches, he changes. You see, we don't see the cross as rugged. We see it as changing. We see it as victory. We see it as powerful. You see, back to the text, it says, the word of the cross is foolishness. It is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, the cross is powerful. It's victorious. The power of the cross is not in the wood it is made of, but it is in the blood that was spilt on it. Let me tell you a couple of things the cross does. The power of the cross brings peace. Oh, the power of the cross gives us peace. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I alluded to it just a moment ago, but the power of the cross gives us peace about not only today, but it gives us peace about our eternity. 
Some of you here this morning may be struggling with, well, I still sin, man, maybe, maybe I don't have my salvation. Can I tell you today that once you've accepted the, 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 the price, once you've accepted the payment for your sin through Jesus Christ, it ought to give you peace that God will never, ever, 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 ever say, ah, I'm going to take it back. You've done too many wrong things. You see, the power of the cross brings peace to each one of us, but also the power of the cross changes your life. We need to stop and look at the cross and see that it has the power to change our life, but also, friends, when it's changed our life, we need to pass that along. Let's live like it. Too many Christians today are living like, yeah, it's the old rugged cross. That's a great hymn. And, and we sing about it and we have them all over the place. But yeah, okay, I got mine done. Yeah, I'm not going to ever, ever be in somebody. I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to be laughed at. I don't want to be talked about. I don't want to be a nut. I don't want to be one of those religious maniacs that they see and talk about. Friends, we've got to live like the cross changed us. If not, nobody will ever believe it will change them. You see, it has the power to change our life. If you don't believe me, it changed one man's life that was standing, or being crucified on a cross right next to Jesus. Luke chapter 23, verses 39 and following. We know the story. Criminals on both sides of Jesus. One hurls inserts, insults at him. The other one, save me. It changed his life. You say, well, he died. They didn't take him off the cross. You're exactly right. But it changed his life, his eternal life. Because Jesus said, today you shall be with me in paradise. You see, the cross is God's way of salvation and life. There's no other way to get salvation than through the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. There's no easier way. There's no better way from the beginning of time. God's plan has been the cross. You see, without the cross, there is no resurrection. There is no salvation. Christians can have no power because there would be no blood of Jesus and no salvation and no hope and no forgiveness. I'm almost done. One night in a church service. A young woman felt the tug of God on her heart and she responded to God's call and accepted salvation through Jesus Christ. The young woman had a very rough past. It involved alcohol and drugs and prostitution. But the change in her was very evident. Nothing stayed the same after that. As time went on, she became a faithful member of the church and she eventually became involved in the ministry and began teaching children. It's not very long until this faithful young woman had caught the eye and the heart of the pastor's son. The relationship grew and they began making wedding plans. That is when the problems hit. You see, about half of the church did not think the woman with the past, such as hers, was suitable for the pastor's son. So the church began to argue and fight about the matter. So they decided to have a business meeting. Hmm. As the people made their arguments and the tensions increased, it quickly got out of hand. The young woman became very upset as she sat there and listened to all the things about her past being brought up. As she began to cry, the pastor's son stood up to speak. He couldn't bear the pain that it was causing his wife to be. 
He began to speak, and his statement was this, my fiancé's past is not what is on trial here today. What you are questioning is the ability of the blood of Jesus to wash away sin. Today, you have put the blood of Jesus on trial, so does it wash away sin or not? Does it wash away sin or not? And I know some of us are going, well, that would never happen here. Take the preacher's son out of it. Take marriage out of it. Either the blood can cleanse all sin or it can't. We either receive grace or we don't. And if we do, we need to understand it's the power of the blood of Jesus that was spilt on the cross. Because through the cross, we have reconciliation with God. Through the cross, we get our salvation. Through the cross, we receive that power. You see what I love about the cross is this. When I survey... The wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but Contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God.
my soul, my life, my all. All heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. All hell is terribly afraid of it, while men are the only beings who more or less ignore its meaning. The great Oswald Chambers said that. So today I ask you, what does the cross mean to you?